Hi, my name's Steve. I'm part of Church Central. It's my pleasure to be unpacking the next in the Jesus Our Joy series through the book of Philippians that we're doing at the moment at Church Central West. Now, as I was preparing for this, uh, funnily enough, my mind went on the whole area of bucket lists. You know, those lists that people make of things they want to do before they kick the bucket. And it occurred to me that probably most of us have something to put on there. Some of us, I'm sure, with longer lists than others. Now, I did pretty poorly in my bucket list preparation, and I only found three things that I really thought, yeah, that really jumps out at me. I wonder, what's, a, what's on your bucket list? What's at the top of your bucket list? I'm going to share mine in a minute, but perhaps as I'm doing so, it's, it's a chance for you just to think that, hmm, what's on my bucket list? Well, the top of my bucket list, actually, if concerts ever started happening again, it would be going to a U2 concert. That would be amazing. I've loved you two for years. And so, yep, so that's it. That's what I want to do before I, before I die. But I've also then started reflecting that actually as a Christian, probably I don't need to focus too much on what I get to do or not to do on this earth before I die. Because actually there's something far greater awaiting me on the other side. As we'll see from today's passage, from the book of Philippians, that's what's really driving the Apostle Paul. And so there's, there's some points I'm going to make. And the first one is that we can know God through Jesus. We, can, we are being made perfect through Jesus. And we will be made perfect through Jesus. Those are the three points that I'm going to hopefully be drawing out for you as we go along this morning. But before I start, let me just pray. Father, just thank you so much for this opportunity to examine your word. I pray that you would speak to us today, Lord, wherever we are in our thinking, however we're doing with you and with life in general. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Amen. Right, well, last week, for those of you that are around, we heard Michael speak uh, about the earlier part of this chapter, uh, which is Philippians chapter 3, about and one of the things he said is how Paul considers everything as loss compared to gaining Christ. And I'm going to pick up the thread of Paul's stream of thought as he starts to unpack a bit more about what this means, that as Michael said so clearly, we gain Christ. What does he mean by that? And I guess to help us do so, I'm going to start um, by recapping from verse 7 last week because it's so relevant to today's section and in Philippians 3 verse 7 and 8 Paul says this I once thought these things were valuable but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done yes everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Wow, Paul is describing everything that the world has to offer as, as worthless and with no value, comparing it to knowing Jesus, comparing it, actually I put it in bold, because of what Christ has done. And so what has he done? What has he done? It's always worth just pausing, isn't it, and saying, what has Christ done? 
And so I'm going to look at that just for a few seconds, really. I just want to outline that. And if you're a Christian, then let's just rejoice with me as I say these words. And if you're not a Christian or you're not quite sure, I just want to encourage you, listen up. This is what Christ has done for us. He loved us. God loves us so much that he came to earth. The Bible says the word of God came to earth and was made into a human being. He lived a human life. He faced trials, temptations, hatred, rejection, traps, scorns, and ultimately his mortal body was nailed to a cross to die. Here was God on earth living a perfect life. He lived perfectly. He taught perfectly. He modelled a perfect sinless life. And yet he was hung out to die like a criminal. The only perfect man suffered. And he did it for you and for me. He put himself forward for God to put our sins and shame on him. So that Jesus could put his perfect life, his perfection unto us. And it counts for us. And so this is what Paul is saying. Everything else is worthless compared to the knowing, the, the unimaginable worth of knowing Jesus. And that's true today, right now for you and for me in our daily life. And Paul goes on to say, actually, he knows God. He knows Jesus, but he doesn't know him perfectly yet. He doesn't. He wants to know him better. And he says this in verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He says that although he knows something of God, he wants to know him more. Look at how he phrases it. He says that he presses on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed him, which I take to mean that actually there's, there's two different ways you could look at it. You could say, well, firstly, he wants to possess the perfection he can have in this earth. And he's saying he wants to be more and more like God as he goes through his life. And I think that's something that you and I could echo in our lives. We want to be made more and more like God as God brings to light stuff in our lives. That, that we can do with changing. Actually, we press on to possess that perfection. But I think there's a second meaning as well. And that is this, that actually he presses on to possess the perfection of becoming perfectly like God, perfectly like Jesus in his, in his way when he dies. And, and he unpacks that a bit more in the next verse. He says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And so he's repeating here, he doesn't know Jesus perfectly yet, but he focuses on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And I've made that bold just to draw it out of the text. And I think his advice here is stunning. Look at what he's saying. Forgetting the past. Now, most of us have been hurt, 
have some stuff from the past that comes into our present day. You might have failed at something. You may have been let down or insulted or lost someone you loved. You may have had your heart broken or your dreams smashed to pieces. Well, look at Paul's advice of what, what you can do about it. How do you just forget the past? Now, listen, I, I don't want you to miss this. Look forward to what's ahead. You get heaven. Paul knows that he will get what he describes as the heavenly prize, which, which is getting to meet Jesus, getting to meet God face to face and spending eternity with him. And he knows that when he finally gets to meet Jesus, all of his earthly pain will be transformed and healed. And that's the same for us. All of our pain and disappointment and shame and hurts will be permanently healed and forgotten. All of our regrets, all the things we wished we'd done or hadn't done, the things you didn't tick off your bucket list. It will all be irrelevant. Does that excite you? I know it excites me. And here's one thing. When we gain Jesus, it's not just in our life now or it's not just in the future. It's both. I once heard a Christian uh, of a Christian who was speaking to their spiritual mentor. And he was talking about his life, an unhappy marriage, missed opportunities, regrets. And his mentor asked him a very good question. He said, how long are you going to live? And the guy said, well, I don't know, 30, 40, maybe 50 years. And the mentor said, no, how long are you going to live? And the guy was a bit perplexed and he sat back and thought about it. And then he was like, oh, I know. We've got heaven. I'm going to live for eternity. And the man walked out different. He had a different perspective on his life. Because he knew he could stop dwelling on the past and the current pains. But also he was free from future regrets. And I'm sure Paul had that perspective too. He went through a lot. Just read some of his letters. Read through Acts. Paul went through a lot. And with everything he suffered and was going to suffer... Remember, he was imprisoned in Rome. He, he was executed. He said this to the church in Corinth. Read it with me. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. And will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? So think about the glory that he's describing our patient endurance, our faithfulness through our trials as Christians, 
produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs the trials, the pain, the problems we've got on this earth. So how do we stay strong? Forgetting what's behind, we look forward to what is ahead, pressing through the difficulties to win the prize, eternity with Jesus. Let's just pause and take stock of what we've heard so far. Paul has been talking about, about how he already knows Jesus. He wants to know him more. He wants to know him perfectly and presses through all the difficulties so that like a marathon runner, he can finish his life staying strong in the faith. His joy is knowing Jesus in his life and he can endure because of the hope he has about meeting him after he dies. As he says in the first chapter of the book we're looking at Philippians, he said this, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a statement. So after that, uh, in the passage, Paul then diverts onto a couple of practical points and it's definitely worth looking at briefly. And the first is a point about role models and following good examples. And he says this in verse 17, brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those of us who walk according to the pattern you have in us. And here he's encouraging us to pay careful attention to our spiritual role models, godly men and women who have gone before us, or hopefully now even some that walk alongside us, some people perhaps in the church. But there's another aspect to this that might not be immediately obvious, which is that you are a role model. Yes, yes, absolutely. You're called to follow Jesus. You're called to follow role models. But it doesn't just stop there. Don't disqualify yourself from being someone else's role model, from leading someone perhaps who doesn't even know Jesus to, be, to become friends with him and then helping them to understand what it is to lead other people to know him as well. Whoever you are. Whoever you are, God can use you to encourage and inspire people to follow Jesus more closely. I think it's helpful to pause for a minute and think about who are your spiritual role models? Are you aware that you are a spiritual role model to someone else as well? That's a responsibility to take seriously. Have a think about it this week. Who are the people that you would consider a spiritual role model and are you paying attention to them? And who are the people that you hang around with, spend time with? And how are you blessing them and helping them to follow Jesus? And Paul goes on to say in the next verse, actually, why it's so important to have good spiritual role models. Let's have a look at that. He says this, for I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. Wow. What on earth does he mean by that? And perhaps you think to yourself, I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> Great. Well, that's brilliant if so. But what Paul's doing is he's urging us, isn't he, to be on our guard, 
uh, even with people perhaps in the church who might might say they follow Jesus but really they're leading us away from the teachings of Jesus in the Bible they're leading us away from a godly life modeled by Paul and our spiritual mentors and I just want to touch on something else there for a minute and if you would say that you're not a Christian if you would say I haven't decided to follow Jesus yet I want to acknowledge that actually this is a bit of a bomb in a passage that's otherwise quite pleasant about heaven and what it alludes to is that there's two very different destinations that we could go to after we die and we've been dwelling on one of them which is heaven which is great which for the Christian is a real inspiration but Paul says here in these words he says the he says the enemies of the cross of Christ are headed for destruction and that might just come as a bit of a jarring shock to you really but let, let me repeat what I said earlier God loves you he sent Jesus to take your place to not go to destruction but to go to everlasting eternal life and life in all of its fullness and beauty as it was intended to be without the brokenness of this world it's a free gift that's the beauty of the Christian message it's a free gift because none of us could earn it none of us could ever be good enough to earn it and so Jesus came to earth and did it for us it's amazing it's amazing he's like he's holding out his hand today and saying come on come on I love you come on I'm saving and rescuing you that's why he's called Jesus Christ our Savior he saves take his hand reach out to him today don't delay coming back to the passage I mean Paul's love for heaven is obvious this final verse uh, it just really sums it up he says this but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our saviour he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control wow look at what Paul is saying if you follow Jesus then you are a person who belongs to heaven's kingdom yep you and I are citizens of heaven it's amazing and what's more we can eagerly await Jesus's return our rescuer our savior who's coming down the Lord Jesus Christ if you've decided to follow Jesus let's be eager to see him we can look forward to the day that Jesus transforms this frail ordinary mortal fading body into one that is perfect like Jesus's own body that will last forever what a wonder what a wonderful day I don't know if that excites you as much as it does me that motivation kept Paul going and it should keep us going too our prize is a high calling from heaven and heaven with God is the prize it's a prize we fight for it's a prize we run for and wrestle for it's what we aim for in what we do it will reward all our pain and all our sacrifices 
So we fix our eyes on heaven. And there's no getting to heaven but through Jesus. And we fix our eyes on him.